This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman CPA. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm very, very excited about where we're going with our podcast and our new relationship with our partner, Decisions in Dentistry. So uh, tonight we have, uh, for the first time in the history of the art of dental finance and management, I have brought back a guest that uh, was uh, actually here in my studio in May. Um, tonight we're talking to Jim Davenport. Uh, Jim is the Managing Director of Beacon Point Advisors in Newport Beach, California. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, uh, when you watch a TV show live, it's that day when you listen to a podcast. Uh, a podcast is recorded at a certain time and is listened to sometimes three months later, sometimes six months later. Our podcasts tend to be listened to by two-thirds to three-quarters of the folks within a week or two. And we're recording this right now on the 16th of March, which is the first real day that the United States of America is feeling the effects uh, of the coronavirus, COVID-19 virus, as uh, we have all learned to hear it. It's it's all you're hearing about. It's all people are talking about. Um, and uh, life as we know it, at least for the short term, and we do hope it's the short term, uh, is going to be different. Uh, for example, today we're in California. Uh, last night, March 15th, the California Dental Association uh, sent emails to all of their members and uh, recommended that they basically uh, shut their dental offices down for everything except uh, emergency services uh, for 14 days. And uh, today in my dental office, my dental office, my CPA office, we take care of about 250 dentists in Southern California. We were getting lots of calls from our clients and kind of asking for advice. We did send out a letter um to our clients uh, about this if you want a copy of the letter uh be happy to give it to you at uh send me an email artweederman uh at gmail.com uh this is a very very challenging time not only for dentists but for all of us here in the country and around the world uh jim is a finance expert and investment advisor um his company the company he's affiliated with beacon point advisors manages 12 billion dollars of money um so we're going to talk tonight about what happened why it happened uh and nobody has a crystal ball but jim has got his hand and his finger on the pulse of this thing um to to just tell us what what should we do and and i'll be listening as as much as as anybody but before i get to jim i need to i'm going to give you some information um if uh, again if you want to contact me at my cpa office in southern california uh i'm at uh, 714-505-9000 um 
Email me, as I said, at artweederman at gmail.com. If you want to see our prior uh, podcasts, go to our website at www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab, go to the podcast tab, and all the podcasts, including this one, uh, which will come out uh, shortly, uh, will be up there. Uh, If you are not a subscriber to uh, Decisions in Dentistry magazine, go to www.decisionsindentistry.com, click on the About tab, go to the Resources tab, look at all their great continuing education. And tonight, we actually have a, a fantastic new sponsor that I want to tell you a little bit about, CEDRHR Solutions. So if you have employee infighting, hiring, firing, gossiping, payroll mistakes and mishaps, when team management gets messy, CEDR Solutions helps you clean it up. See why over 2,000 dental and medical professionals trust CEDR with their HR needs. Please email them at info at CEDRsolutions.com for a free HR consultation or employee handbook review. That's info at CEDRsolutions.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to our guest. Uh, I've known Jim Davenport for at least 10 years. Uh, he's one of the smartest young men I've ever worked with. He's really, really sharp. And um, Jim, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Art, thanks for having me again. All right, so Jim, uh, how was the week of March 9th to the 13th? Uh, do you like roller coasters? Have you ever been to Coney Island in Brooklyn? I have not, but uh, I did feel last week like we were on a roller coaster and starting this week off, uh, things haven't changed. We have not uh, gotten off it yet. So um, as of, uh, I don't know if it's as of Friday, Jim, or as of today, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and and again, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that you know everything you hear about is the Dow Jones. The market went down uh, by two thousand points, or three thousand points, or one thousand points, or went up. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is the thirty largest blue chip stocks on the New York Stock Exchange, but that's what everybody looks at. There are lots of other markets, and we'll talk about them tonight, but. Technically, Jim, I guess the definition of a bear market is when the market has taken a decrease of uh, 20%. Is that kind of where we're at? Yeah, we've definitely entered into what would be considered by definition a bear market. Uh, the markets as of Friday uh, were down you know, roughly 15, 15 and change on the Dow Jones. And today we saw a pullback of close to another 12%. So I would, uh, I would, I would, I think it's safe to say that we've, we've entered a bear market. Now, you know, you and I have talked and we talk all the time is that, uh, you know, markets go up and markets go down. And, you know, this market needed some sort of a correction. I don't think that anybody was anticipating this, but um, you were looking for a correction at some point, weren't you? Well, as as weird as it's going to sound, the uh, behavior in the stock market, although very fast, uh, was actually the fastest uh, bear market in history. It took 19 days, actually. Wow. Yeah, um, pretty significant. But a pullback, if you can remove emotion, and we'll talk a lot about that, I think, tonight. But if you can take emotion out of it, um, psychologically, the effect is 
uh, is intense. But the action in the stock market pulling back at this time, as we've had a, the, the longest bull market in history, these types of pullbacks are not only necessary, but uh, almost predictable in the fact that that's going to happen. You know, and, and it's interesting. So on, uh, and again, like I say, we're, we're doing this in real time. And again, many of our listeners are listening to it in real time. And this is really important. Um, yesterday afternoon, President Trump announced that the Federal Reserve, uh, has chosen to cut interest rates, uh, by one half of 1% down to somewhere around one quarter of 1%. And remember, these are the interest rates that banks, uh, are charged by the Federal Reserve to borrow money. And, and just so you understand how a bank works real quick, uh, and I've talked to many bankers, banks, make money by renting money out at a higher rate than they borrow it. And banks have to lend money at about three to three and a half percent higher than what they borrow it at. So the problem is, Jim, is that the Fed has kind of run out of bullets here, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, the rates can go negative, and and I think we'll talk a little bit about that. And Powell has made uh, comments recently to to make us believe that the negative is not something that's off the table. Uh, I think it was necessary what he did yesterday. And to your point about banks uh, uh, being efficient, they are not going to be making much money on interest rates of, of below a quarter percent or flat. So uh, how that will affect lending, how that will eventually affect mortgages, and how that will affect uh, certificates of deposits or CDs um, is what's going to be interesting, I think. So I was talking to a mortgage broker today who was telling me that interest rates for loans are actually going up for home loans because of supply and demand. Everybody wants a mortgage loan. And in fact, he said to me, Art, we will refinance every mortgage loan in America two times before the end of the year. So if you're thinking that interest rates dropped, I'm going to go refinance my house at a much lower rate, maybe that may not happen, huh? It's a little bit of a misconception. So to think that rates are going to zero and you're going to get a below 2% interest rate on a 30-year fix is ha- almost hard to believe. Again, why would banks uh, lend money when the demand for that money is so high? Why would they bring their interest rates um, down to almost nothing? So that is a little bit of a misconception. Some banks are not taking any new applications or they're limiting the amount of applications that they will take. So I don't think everyone out there that hasn't refinanced uh, thinks they're a genius in the fact of going now to the bank and getting a, a refinance. You will be surprised at how difficult uh, that might be to get an interest rate, anything below what you're looking at currently. So let's talk for a minute about uh, a lot of people have compared this to what happened in 2008. And you have to remember, folks, that 2008 was a subprime lending real estate issue. Banks and financial institutions way, way overextended themselves. They made lots of bad loans. They packaged them up. They sold them to other institutions and other people made tons of money. And then these loans started to go bad. And then it was a, you know, it, it was a domino effect. So. 12 years ago, we had this financial meltdown tied to the real estate industry. And I read, Jim, that by the end of this month, the global economy will have shrunk by about 1.2%, which 
which compared to a drop off of about 1.6% at the height of the financial crisis. Now, what I've told all my clients is that this is not an economic crisis. I mean, it's turning into one, but it's not caused by an economic crisis. This is a public health crisis. So maybe compare and contrast a little bit the difference between 2008, where I got phone calls, literally people saying, Art, should I pull my money out of the bank? And what's happening today where I'm not hearing that? Well, yeah, uh, 2008, uh, we dealt with some um, irresponsibility on both the borrower and the banks uh, when they were lending out uh, mortgages and giving, uh, basically being incentivized to uh, lend out money that to, to creditors that shouldn't be lent to. So that was kind of some irresponsibility. I would argue that this uh, sell-off is from what we would consider a black swan event. And I know we've known about the coronavirus uh, over the last couple of months, thanks to uh, now what we have in media, being able to see images and and knowing what was going on in China. But there was no real way to plan for what was to come and the extremity of the coronavirus. And you couple that with what I would consider another black swan event, which was is uh, you know the Russians and Putin overflowing the markets with uh, with this oil war at the exact same uh, moment as we're kind of getting uh, in the depths of the coronavirus walk, was just kind walk of a, through that a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. So the Sa- the the Saudis and, and Russians really have, uh, uh, you know, they're obviously their biggest revenue streams come from their oil reserves and they are feeling pinched. And so in the meantime, rather than working together um, to find a, a kind of a common um, threshold, they are overflowing the market with supply of oil, uh, which in the near term might affect the Saudis immediately. But at the same time, they're both it's a losing game for both. And so, you know, I've I've read that it's difficult for the uh, to, for Russians to to make any kind of profit over forty three dollars a barrel. Um, where the United States is closer to the upper 30s, um, as you know, we've become almost completely oil uh, de- uh, independent. But uh, it's it's caused a lot of uh, more uncertainty in the markets, which I would tell you is the real um, backbone behind this market sell-off. Yeah, and people don't talk about that. And oil prices have come down a little bit. I, I always get upset. I live in California, and we see oil prices that you know they had gotten as high as uh, gas prices for a gallon of gas of four to four and a half dollars. I go to other places in this country, like Ohio and Indiana, because I do travel a bit, um, and they're down in the two dollar range. But uh, you know, again, that's we have a lot of extra taxes here in in California. So again, you know, we're talking about comparing this. You know what happened uh, in 2008 to to what's happening now. So, I want to look at there, Jim. There were like three other periods since 1990 where the S and P 500. And again, for those of you who do not know, the the Standard and Poor's 500 are the 500 largest uh, large cap stocks, uh, and they're on an index. And you can buy, uh, you know, you can buy a mutual fund that's basically mirrors the the S&P 500. So, uh the S&P 500 had reached off the charts oversold levels in October of 2008, 
August of 2011 and August of 2015, I guess my birthday month, uh, they got oversold. In 2008, the market recovered within a year. And the other two downturns, they recovered in about three to six months. Now, this is a different animal. I, 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 My feeling, and I think the feeling of a lot of people, and I certainly obviously want to hear your opinion, is that you know once we start seeing on the news that there are fewer coronavirus uh, people with a coronavirus, there are fewer people who are dying, uh, there are fewer people who are getting sick, businesses are starting to to open up. Um, you know, you start seeing Broadway open up. You see Major League Baseball make an announcement that says, we're going to start the season. I think once that happens, people will say, well, life is getting back to normal. But do you think that – and, and it's not a matter of of when, it's if, it's a matter of when. But do you think when this happens, do you think the recovery time is going to be short, long? Is this different? What do you think? Yeah, it's – Difficult to speculate with any certainty on when uh, we're going to bottom out. I will uh, tell you that personally, I believe that we're closer to a bottom uh, than than others might think. And the reason being is, you know, stock prices indicate really a six month um, head start on where the economy and where news is going to be. So a lot of the um, kind of a lot of the pullback, I think, has been priced into the market as we speak. And so I'm not calling the bottom now, but I'm saying, you know, VIX, uh, the VIX, which is a fear index of, of investors is at an all time high. And today I think was the, the, uh, highest the VIX index has ever been in the history of the market, which is pretty interesting. The average on this end, on this index would be around 15. And what we've seen in the last couple of days are in the high seventies. So that's just to give you an idea of where we are. I think as the coronavirus starts to level out, the numbers start to level out. And do remember, the numbers are trailing the actual uh, folks that are infected with with the disease. And so as those numbers start to kind of teeter out and level, I think you're going to see a little bit of a turn very quickly to say, okay, we're starting to see kind of the sun, the sun come up. And I think you're going to see the markets move a little bit quicker. But I'm I, I, the timing on that art is difficult to to, to estimate. We, we 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 don't know. Is there a lot of cash on the sidelines right now that people are waiting to invest? There are, believe it or not, there are. There were uh, there's some smart money that has watched this this bull market, which is the longest duration in history of a bull market from 2009 until you know call it. Well, my birthday was the peak. February nineteenth uh, was the peak, and so uh, there is some cash on the sidelines. There are there is quite a bit of margin, meaning a lot of uh, leverage uh, in the stock market as well as as folks got greedy. But uh, overall, uh, there is cash on the sidelines, and I do believe that um, if if you're patient, um, I think there will be a time to start uh, to start taking advantage. Now, I know that the statistics show that about 60% of individual investors are do-it-themselfers. That's kind of what I've heard. And about 30% of individual investors, and, and when I say individual, you could also mean business, small businesses who have uh, their corporate uh, – uh, you know, the corporate pension plans and simple IRAs and things like that. 30% are with the traditional brokerage firms and maybe 10% are with firms like Beacon Point Advisors. And um, so so what what do you think, Jim, 
it, it, what is driving this market? It, it, are, are these institutional investors? Are these, uh, you know, mom and pop who have uh, two hundred thousand and they're sitting there and they're they're looking at their their Schwab account and they're trying to figure out what to do? Uh, I mean, are, are the institutional investors driving that? Wh- where is this all? Is it coming from everyone? Well, yeah, there, it's a it's a collection of things. Retail investor will set certain sediments like the VIX, but institutional investing that much larger, uh, much larger scale trades. There's also uh, a lot of algorithms, computers uh, and technology set for uh, different breakpoints where when momentum starts, you'll notice uh, in the last couple of weeks, if the markets start off down in that last hour of trading, it start the momentum just starts to pick up and it either runs straight down or as you saw on Friday, it went from up 500 points in the, within the last 30 minutes. It finished just on, uh, you know, just up 2000 points. Yeah. So uh, momentum, right? Uh, we're talking this week and last week. Momentum is driving a lot of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, again, I've been reading a lot. So there was a report by JP Morgan Chase uh, that the market has priced in too much of a worst case scenario. In fact, it was interesting. I was reading the chief U.S. equity strategist for J.P. Morgan Chase. I'll do my best with this gentleman's name: Dubrovko Lakos Buhas. Uh, we we broke out a bottle of what was it? Chardonnay, Jim? Is that it? It's actually a bottle of Zinfandel. A Zinfandel. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we both earned it between, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> what we did today in the CPA practice, uh, helping our dentists with their challenges with the with the CDA's uh, recommendation, and what you've been going through for the last three weeks. But um, Mr. Lacos Buha said that uh, coordinated policy action from the Federal Reserve and the government should help markets recover, and that the markets will, quote, ultimately outlast the outbreak. Now, they dropped points on Sunday, March 15th by five-tenths of a percent. That didn't help us on March 16th. It just it, it just wasn't – the markets just said, you know, that's nice, but that's not, not feeling the love. So what do you think? Is this thing priced for a worst-case scenario? So let's, let's talk a little bit about catalysts of what can stop – some of this downturn and, and, and reverse measures and start heading the market in the right direction. The two catalysts would be, uh, monetary policy as well as fiscal policy. And so when you, uh, when you talk about monetary policy, we're talking about the Fed, we're talking about Jay, uh, Powell, and we're talking about, um, things like interest rates and, and, and moving interest rates. And, and in today's, uh, situation, as you just mentioned, the, uh, monetary policy isn't really where I feel the the answer is going to lie. I do believe that fiscal policy, and we're going to have to really make some measures. And yesterday, we we talked about seven hundred billion dollars of stimulus from fiscal policy. This is what's going to come from the government, from both the House, Senate, and our president to really step up to the plate and start pumping some of this QE into the market in order to uh, kind of save it. So, so Jim, how does that work? In other words, you know, the, I mean, uh, the president doesn't just go to his uh, USA checkbook and write a check for seven hundred billion dollars. I mean, how does this work? 
Yeah, and this is where I'm not an expert in, but what I will tell you is that as you as you start p- picking up uh, the bills for things, so for example, you give confidence and more certainty to the market by saying, we are going to pay for the bills connected to coronavirus. We are going to stop uh, charging interest on any student loans for those young folks that are dealing and, and others that are dealing with, with that type of debt. We are going to step up and we are going to give... Um, uh, pay to those that aren't able to work because of the virus, which normally would not have paid leave. Uh, we are giving confidence to businesses that we are going to have liquidity in our banks and in our markets. And we will not stop until we believe that we have put enough in to, to maintain a certain level in the markets. And the government is also doing some other things. Now, again, um, I suspect by the next time uh, we visit, uh, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants has put out an email to its members saying that they've been in very close proximity and conversations with the with the Treasury Department, and we are expecting in the week of March 16th that the Internal Revenue Service will actually um, – Put a 90-day hiatus on the filing of individual income tax returns. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know. Uh, I have been preparing tax returns. This is my 44th tax season. I'm even past the millennial age for how many years I've done taxes, and I've never seen this. So the, the, the government is, is pulling out all the stops. They're doing everything that they – you know, they possibly can. So, Jim, all right. So, you know, you, you work with hundreds of, of, uh, individual corporate business investors. You work with some very sophisticated people. And obviously you're talking to your clients. What are you hearing? Well, we're hearing concern. Uh, the clients that we are working with and the institutions and nonprofits have an understanding of what's going on because of the knowledge of what the coronavirus is and how serious it is. Uh, we're hearing concern of what and and this is what we're talking about today. I think the entire purpose that you had me back on the show is to say, okay, what kind of is the plan going forward? Where are we going to, wh- what are we going to be looking at? What are the things that are going to help turn the market? And along with some recovery in the fiscal policy that I talked about, I do believe again, as the, as the coronavirus or the, or the numbers of new cases start to level out. I think we're going to see um, people going back to work. You see in China today, they announced uh, some of the factories that are being opened. The Professional Basketball League in China, they just announced that that's going to be uh, reopened. So, you know, we're, we're a good month and a half behind China um, when it comes to at least the news of the outbreak. Um, so I would say, you know, it's, it's important to say this too will pass. Cooler heads will prevail. And it's one of those times where if you cannot look at the statement every single day um, and you can have what, I, what I've been told is a steel stomach, um, at, at, at the end of the day, you're going to come out, um, I think, in a better place than if you were to panic and start just getting rid of everything. But then when we start talking about strategies for individuals, it all depends on on the individual, meaning what would be prudent for someone in retirement, someone going into retirement, or someone who is in the prime of their career, um, there are much different strategies for each. 
Well, after all that you said, all I heard was that basketball is starting up again in China. That's all I really care about. In fact, I was not a happy camper because um, I had two second row tickets to see the Los Angeles Clippers play the New Orleans Pelicans. And the New Orleans Pelicans have a young man by the name of Zion Williamson. And I was all excited. And I was going to take my good friend and partner, Don Watson, at our CPA firm. And we were going to take a tax season break. And then we got the email that uh, Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz got the virus and Adam Silver called the season off and or at least put a delay on the season. And uh, that was disappointing. So you say, uh, I wonder if ESPN is going to broadcast basketball in China. I don't know. We'll have to see about that. So, so you know, again, basketball is in many cases all that matters uh, at this point because we, we know what's going on in the markets. But, but let's talk about – this is important for our listeners. So – We've talked a little bit about why this happened. Um, you'll give us your crystal ball before you walk out uh, the door here and uh, take another sip of wine, Jim. Go ahead. We all need it. I've already finished mine. It's fuzzy. It's fuzzy, right? Yeah. So yeah, God knows what kind of advice you're going to get, folks. And and so let's talk about different – talk about Dennis, okay? We're talking about Dennis and – you know, we, we've got somebody right now, our dentists in America are kind of kind of pulling back, maybe kind of holding money back. We're going to do a podcast shortly about what you should be looking at in, in, a, in a crisis situation. But, but let's talk about somebody who is, let's start off a, a young person in their 20s or 30s. And maybe they've started investing. They're putting, maybe they're started with IRAs, five, you know, $6,000 a year in an IRA. Or maybe they, they, they have a practice. They started with a simple IRA and they're putting 15, 20, $30,000 away. What do you tell that young dentist who's got a long time horizon? Yeah, great question. And, and, to be honest with you, dentists is a practice that uh, are affected by this in a big way because they have such a personal touch. Um, not only are they greeting with their patients, but they're actually uh, touching their patients. And so um, they are obviously in a challenge time where, you know, what are they going to be doing? What should they be doing? How should they be thinking about um, how to invest? Um when it comes to the retirement side of it, and you said somebody who's a little younger, I would suggest during times when markets are pulling back, they are living um, uh, much th- uh, much more thin when it comes to their cash flow. And I would be advising them to actually be putting more money away during these times as equity prices are cheaper than they normally would. And then as markets start to uh, reverse and go the other way, then I would say maybe Take actually and change because each month you can change how much you contribute to say your 401k or your simple IRA. You can, you really have the flexibility to change when you contribute. And in times like these, I think really are the times where you want to hunker down. You want to limit some of the cash flow by adding to your retirement account because the retirement account doesn't have its a mind of its. Of its own, it it actually just once the money goes in there and you have set requirements of what you want it to be invested in, it just goes ahead and invests in those in those funds or or target funds or or what have you. So I would tell people right now who are planning for retirement or trying to grow their retirement accounts right now is actually a good time to be adding more to those accounts while when markets then may return, then maybe they they add far less as prices get more expensive. So what's the bond market doing during this time that the stocks are having a meltdown? 
Well, as of this morning, the Barclays aggregate was actually up. It was up about a percent and a half, while the Muni aggregate was down about 1%. But overall, um, it depends on the strategy. The laddered strategy, which we use with our clients, where we're bo- we have bonds expiring every year, all the way out to call it a, a 7 to 10 uh, year mark, uh, has really worked out well in this behavior because as interest rates go lower, those bonds with higher interest yields are becoming much more attractive. So the values of those bonds uh, are increasing uh, if you do in turn decide to sell the bonds. But overall, they've held up okay. Um, right now, you know, we, what was incredible to me was on Thursday, uh, gold prices were down, uh, four or 5% after a, a, a big run here as the dollar is devalued. We've seen, we've seen gold have, uh, really a nice year, but, uh, that was down on Thursday as well, which was a little confusing. Um, but bonds right now, if you're looking, if you're looking to be on the sidelines for say a year, Bonds might be at short duration. Bonds might be attractive in the fact that you don't have that. You're not chasing yield of CDs, which really aren't returning a whole lot right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very, very important time. And what I want to caution you is not to panic. Um, I think that when the markets came crashing down in October of 2008, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, And again, I'll use the Dow Jones Industrial Average as an example. I believe they came right around 9,000 on the Dow, somewhere around that neighborhood. Um, And, you know, I I used to do a radio show in uh, Los Angeles on KRLA Los Angeles. It was called The Art of Finance. It was really fun. I got to interview Susie Orman and some really cool people. And I interviewed a guy who wrote a book called Dow 35,000. Now, we got to Dow 29,000, um, but if you look at a 10, you know, 12-year history, this market came, again, using the Dow um, from eight or 9,000 to 29,000. So, markets uh, can come back. This is a very important time not to panic. Uh, people who try and time this market – Good luck. Uh, let Jim comment about that. But folks, again, you know, one of the great things about working with professionals that work with dentists is that, I mean, I was talking, I've talked to dental attorneys today. I talked to uh, the bankers. I've talked to a lot of people in the last few days and everybody cares. We care about you. We care about our clients. Uh, some of you are our clients, as a matter of fact. And, you know, we, we, we really, really want to help. So, you know, if you're doing your own investing or you're investing with somebody and you're not loving the answers or, or you are loving the answers and you want a second opinion, uh, again, th- th- this is not about soliciting business for Jim Davenport. Uh, th- th- this is about helping. And, and this is one of the great things that I love about Jim and his company and is that they will do anything. So Jim, I'd like you to give out your contact information. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're doing your own investing, if you've got an advisor, if you just want to ask a question, if you just want someone to listen to you uh, about, you know, gosh, I'm just really feeling jittery and and and, and give me some Give me some reassurance as to what you think is going to happen. Um, give Jim a call. So, Jim, how do people get a hold of you? 
Yeah, thanks, Art. And and to your point, we are a financial resource. And the good news is, is we do not charge our clients by the hour. So if you do have any questions and don't have a resource out there, please feel free to reach out to myself or my team. Uh, my phone number uh, for my local office here in Newport Beach is 949-720-9980. 949-720-9980. Nine nine eight zero, and my email is J Davenport. So J D A V E N P O R T at beaconpoint.com. and point has an e on the end of it. So it's B E A C O N P O I N T E. So J Davenport at beaconpoint.com. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate that. And I, I would take advantage of that, ladies and gentlemen, if you have some questions. I mean, Jim has been so kind to many of our clients with his time and expertise. All right. So we talked about a young dentist just getting started. Now I got somebody in their maybe 35 to 55 years of age, and they're in the middle of their career, and they're, they're really doing well. And they feel like they've built a nice little nest egg and they've been putting away, you know, maybe maximally funding a profit sharing plan at, uh, you know, $56,000 a year. And maybe their spouse is on the payroll for another 19,000, 19,500. And, you know, they're starting to see their account grow and then bam, March of 2020 happened. So what do we tell somebody in the middle of their career who's still got a maybe 20, 15, 20, 25 year time horizon? Yeah, great question. And I would say this with compassion to anyone that is dealing with the coronavirus or has been infected or knows someone that is infected. I'm going to speak strictly from a financial advising uh, perspective rather than uh, than an emotional perspective. So I would say this uh, with all the sensitivity in mind, and that is to sit tight really believe that there are 200 years of history in the S&P 500 that are backing the strategy, especially with a 10, 15, 20-year time horizon. It's really backing the strategy that markets will recover and markets will um, will show you the, the overall returns that you're hopefully getting advice and, and looking into. Um, it just takes pullbacks like this in order to find prices at attractive rates. I will say, um, you know, a lot of the bad news is priced in, believe it or not. And so when we talk about emotions and people, the way that they react uh, emotionally to markets or their statements showing a much lower value, I would tell you we're in kind of the desperation and panic on a cycle of of the emotions. And pretty soon we're going to reach desperation and desperation eventually is what I talked about some of these some of these uh, issues that we're dealing with, like the coronavirus start to level out, you're going to start to see hope. There is going to be quite a bit of relief. And we talked about that from fiscal policy. And then eventually it's going to revert back to optimism. And when it does, the markets are are going to behave like they have over the last 200 years, the S&P 500, and that is an annualized return of 10.5%. And that's not... Uh, there's not a 10-year period of the market, meaning if you were to take 10 consecutive years and put them together, there's still not a 10-year period that's return negative returns. They have uh, been flat, but nothing negative. So it's important to remember what history has shown us before. Uh, we can expect um, that with the history that we've seen. I mean, let, let's take a step back, Jim. We have... 
you know, before the last month happened, what did we have? We had full employment in this country, unemployment in the 3% range. Uh, we have banks doing better than they've ever done. We've got corporate earnings that were just absolutely killing it. We have the lowest interest rates we've ever had. We've had businesses. I mean, I, I, I live in the dental profession every single day of my life, as do our members of the Academy of Dental CPAs. And by the way, folks, I I, I apologize, but I'm going to throw out a shout out to my group. If you are having concerns about all of this, call a member of our Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org, and please call them. I mean, about half of them, um, you know, are, are involved in the financial planning part of all this. Uh, I mean, they all are pretty much, and all of them have their finger on the pulse of the markets, and it's a scary time. And, and they're, you know, you're, you're talking to somebody uh, in our group, any one of the, you know, 24 fantastic firms, including my firm, which is in Southern California. But, you know, you're talking about people who are on the pulse talking. I mean, I must have talked to, gosh, 15 dentists today easily uh, without question. And I'm hearing what people are thinking and, and feeling. So, so you want to be, <clears throat> you want to be talking to your advisors. It's, it's, it's really, really important. So, all right, Jim. Um, so, all right. So we talked about some of the middle of the career. Now we got somebody who's in their, you know, mid, late 50s, 60s. Um, you know, they've put the money away. The nest egg is there. And, oh, man, you didn't tell me this was going to happen. Um, so what are we, what are you telling your clients who are maybe in their 50s and 60s and 70s and they're either, getting ready to or are already drawing on and living on their retirement funds. What, what are you telling them? Well, similar to the middle age that we talked about is not to completely panic. Uh, I would hope that you have some good um, resources around you or a financial advisor that you speak with frequently enough to know that all of the money, especially in retirement, should not be allocated to equities. A diversified portfolio is so prudent for someone who is no longer in the prime of their income generating years. So first off, I would say I'm glad that we're diversified. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, the bonds are holding up nicely uh, for uh, relative to what's going on in the markets. So well-diversified portfolio. Um, I would say that if you have some liquidity needs or are living off of, of, of that money or are going to be taking your required minimum distribution out of your uh, retirement account, I would say have that money on the sidelines already. So give yourself a little bit of a cash reserve, find a money market fund that is providing uh, a little bit of interest of whatever interest is left in the banks. And have that money aside so that uh, you're not you're not needing to sell something at the bottom. Um, that's really uh, uh, would be prudent at this time. So a well diversified portfolio, having whatever liquidity needs you need at the moment because of such a short duration, uh, I would have that on the sidelines already. But I would not move completely out of equities. I think that would be a mistake. I think we've. Uh, I think it's too late to completely go void of equities, and I think uh, you'll look back at it after this panic is over, and you'll regret the decision to completely sell out of all. Even though temporarily in the next coming weeks, it might help you sleep a little bit better. Now, I know. I know that that you know we've talked before that that the the one the protocols that you use is you work with 
money managers who specialize in different sectors. Like you have a bond manager, you'll have a large cap manager, you'll have an international manager. So let's talk about your, your obviously you guys are talking to these people on a regular basis. I mean, I, I every, every time, every time I, I talk to you and, and, and the folks in your office, I hear the words 15 hour days. So it's been a, it's been a long, I mean, this is, this is where you guys, uh, you know, earn, earn your keep and your, your, your adjusting account. So, when you look at a cli- different client's account, are you looking at, e- first of all, are you looking at each client's individual account and making adjustments? I mean, what are you do? What have you been doing in the last one to two to three weeks as this has been progressing to individual clients' accounts? Yeah. Well, obviously, the first thing is we work on discretion. So we're really focused on managing the money and protecting the principle that we've been given to manage. So the accounts come first. Communication is right behind that. So reaching out to clients to let them know what we're doing, what we're thinking, and how those managers that you talked about in each specific part of the markets are holding up. And I will tell you, uh, for those opportunistic managers that were putting aside cash throughout the last couple of years that kind of were looking a little foolish in some of the meetings, uh, especially after 2019, are really holding up relatively well as they're not only are are is the cash aside and they're not losing money, but I've now started to see these managers, especially some of these large cap uh, growth and value managers actually start purchasing as markets have come down here because of their buy discipline as as thing, as prices become a specific number it, again we're taking the emotion out of it we're looking at purely math and technicals and right now the math some of the math is saying this is a good buying opportunity i mean you know again the, the key folks and again I, I think if you listen to anybody you 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 know, we're all getting emails about, okay, this bank and this brokerage firm and this group is going to give you their market update. And at the end of the day, it's going to, it's really going to depend on when this virus begins to subside. Once the medical issue is handled in this country, then you're going to start seeing people going back and living their lives the way they were before the beginning of March. And, and, and that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to do. So, so Jim, let, let's talk for a second about, I, I know there's technical programs that trigger at some points, right? And I, I mean, we get to a point at some point where don't people start buying as if this thing does go lower, don't people start buying? Don't they start investing money? The cash that's on the sidelines saying, wow, this thing is really cheap. Apple is how much? Microsoft is how much? How does that work? Yeah. So the sophisticated investor that that we work with or some of the small business owners that have really their foot on on the on the ground and, and are seeing what's going on, we're actually taking more calls and trying to slow them down at this very moment of actually going and taking big, you know, uh, big bets or seeing Apple come down to this level and saying, I want to put X amount of dollars into it. We're asking them to take, again, dollar cost average into these positions. So take some now, wait 
uh, for a couple of weeks until there's a little more clarity and then, and then pull the trigger on maybe a second or third tranche of, of purchasing. So dollar cost averaging is something that, uh, we use in our practice and we think is, can be very beneficial to someone who maybe has some conviction on a company that they want to own. I would say take a piece. Uh, wait and then, uh, and then at a time in which either it pulls back or we learn new information about the company doing, uh, doing well, then you can take another piece. Are there, I mean, I'm guessing this is a bloodbath in pretty much every sector in the, in the markets. Um, is there any place that, uh, might actually be doing well? I mean, uh, Toilet paper, Purell. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, are, are there any sectors out there that that are doing that that are, that are not getting killed? Well, Grubhub was up today, and some of the delivery services for food uh, seem to do all right today. But um, I will say, it's you know, my father used to say, all boats you know rise with with the rising tide, and and when the tide pulls out, um, even though it might not be. Um, substantial most companies do pull back and so you know a lot of folks jumped on netflix and peloton and all these at home type uh type companies which uh, i think over time might might play out well but i would be looking at how are people because people need to work uh and companies need to continue going so really how are people going to protect uh, their intellectual property. How are people going to, uh, continue running their businesses remote from their office? And I think companies that deal with cloud base companies that deal with cybersecurity and those would be something pretty attractive to be looking at. So let, let's talk to the, the dentist out there who's been investing his or her own money for years and they've done it. And, you know, first question is if, if someone called you up and said, Hey, I, I've got my money in a Schwab account and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm here or I'm there. What, what, what do you tell somebody? What should they be looking at? What should they be reading? Um, I mean, everybody's nervous about this. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the, the professionals like yourself, we, we, we know, you know, you know that this thing is going to come back. It always has. Um, but what, what do you tell that individual investor, Jim, who's just, you know, I've been doing it myself forever. I just don't, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mentioned the first thing is if you do have a resource to utilize that resource, don't be shy about it. We've been taking calls from clients and 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 prospective clients with just questions that w- we feel we're we're more inclined to be educated to answer. And so, um I would tell them really bear down and do your homework on the companies that you own. Right now is a very good time to clean up your portfolio. Right now is a good time to maybe Lay off some of the speculative ideas you may have had um, and really look at some of the blue chip, uh, clean balance sheet companies that when the markets do turn around, they're going to turn around much quicker. So I would say kind of phase out of some of the speculative stuff, especially with, with all the outside forces that are going on in the markets and really pay attention to some of those quality names that you have in the portfolio. And the last thing is if it's in a taxable account and you have some losses, now might be a time to tax, you know, tax harvest, uh, some of those losses and stay out of those names for 30 days and, um, and give your CPA like, uh, art, 
um, some dry powder there to offset some of your other business uh, successes or some of your other gains. And so there's really a lot you can be doing um, while the markets are going on. When I say don't panic, that doesn't mean just tone, tone out, especially for those do-it-yourselfers at home. I would say right now, do a lot of your homework, clean up the portfolio, take on some tax harvest loss, carry forwards, and uh, make Art's job a lot easier. Especially, that's a good point. Especially, ladies and gentlemen, if any of you are out there and you're either in the process of or just about to start or maybe you're almost done or you've already finished selling your dental practice, most of what you are going to be paying income tax on is going to be goodwill. In many cases, we call it personal goodwill, and that is a long-term capital gain. So if this market has handed you some losses, I mean, last year in 2018, at the end of the year, I was talking to people and I was saying, boy, you so I'd like three, three of my clients, you sold your practice. You, you got to find me some losses in your portfolio. Oh, portfolio art. Nope. Don't have any losses. Well, now maybe you do. And if you are in the process of selling that practice or selling a property, maybe it's time for you to take some of those losses. So again, Talk to me, talk to one of the members of the uh, uh, Academy of Dental CPAs and and all this stuff. We haven't talked about international markets, uh, Jim. I mean, I I don't know if Italy has a market. If they do, I can't imagine it's doing well. But uh, how are the international markets doing with all of this? Well, the Italians do have a marketplace, and I will tell you, they're not faring very well. They're down almost double what we are, um, and especially some of the emerging markets. And that has a lot to do with China, and and um, and so I will tell you, in the, the 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 value or the deep value would be considered in in the international marketplace, but they do not have uh, the quality of communication that the United States have. They do not have some of the strict rules. They don't have the defense or the or the military type spending, they don't have the uh, fiscal abilities that that our government has when we are the currency, uh, you know, the world currency. So um, right now, the international marketplace is tough and it's choppy. But when we do start to return, I think the international marketplace is still has a place in your portfolio um, to have some allocation too, because again, they still have some very deep value for them, but it is tough waters. Um, you know, the Italians and the, and the French, um, have had their issues with this virus spreading in a very quick fashion where if you look at the South Koreans, uh, they closed things off very quickly. They got very proactive very early and have seemed to, um, do well with this virus. And we're, we're still not quite, uh, known whether or not we handled it w- well. But I will say last week and towards the end of last week, as we got very serious on a fiscal standpoint, I think we're taking the proper steps, whether you're a, uh, a, a fan of this administration or not. Uh, there is some bipartisan work together to allow this fiscal uh, stimulus, uh, which will in turn help the help the markets. No, you're 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 absolutely right. And so, Jim, if I gave you, let's say I'm a a 50 year old dentist, if I gave you, say, fifty thousand dollars cash to invest today, what would you do with it? Well, I would. I would buy a car. No, 
I would, <laughs> I would not do that. I would, um, well, I, I mean, I would take the, the steps that I take with every client, and that is really to get to know exactly what the objectives are for the money. I do know your age, so I have an idea of a little bit of time horizon, but it it really is based on what uh, what you need the money to do for you, what financial obligations you have coming up or will have, uh, what type of, of insurance, what really looking at you holistically, uh, putting together a plan to make sure that we are investing for success. So I know that's not the answer you wanted, but I will tell you, um, having uh, uh, whatever the allocation may be into the financial markets, whether it be the stock market or bond market, we talked about earlier, we would be taking pieces or dollar cost averaging into those positions, knowing that we might not be at the bottom. Uh, this might not be where we are, but keep in mind, uh, and I know uh, most people listening to this podcast probably have familiarity with Warren Buffett's call of when markets are really difficult to be investing or it's or it's hard to invest is really where uh, success on a long-term basis is going to be is going to be made. And so I would say we will eventually be starting to take positions into the markets, but it will be driven by what your long-term investment goals are. I remember one of the most famous things that Warren Buffett ever said, ladies and gentlemen, when someone asked him what companies does he invest in, he says, what he'll do is he'll go ahead, he'll close his eyes and he'll think about a product that everybody wants to buy, and that's what he'll invest in. But uh, so, Jim, we're, we're about at the end of our time. Let, let's go ahead and put a bow on this. Let's let's give some people some some hope, some some rays of light in this in this you know difficult difficult time. I mean, um, you know, I know you don't have a crystal ball. None of us have a crystal ball. Uh, we're all hoping and praying that our leaders in in Washington and and in our state capitals are all leading us in the right direction to do the right thing and and the best thing that we can all do is to you know you know they talk about social distancing folks and and that's what we need to do because the the faster that we stop the spread of this virus the faster that life gets back to normal it's that simple so g- give us a little th- i mean you know th- there is th- there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train right there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I mentioned, you know, the backing of 200, almost 200 years in the S&P 500 when these types of things uh, take place, uh, you know, within within a, a, a certain time period and call it uh, a year, two years and all the way up to 10 years. Uh, you will be successful by being patient. We've quoted Warren Buffett and my personal. And if you listen to the first podcast I was on, I I mentioned what an influence my father who did this uh, for 55 years um, as a stockbroker and and a money manager. And he always told me that um, the scarcest commodity in investing is patience. And so I like to channel that uh, when things are going crazy and we're having conversations about virus and oil and and uh, administrations and the Fed and monetary policy. It's important to remember that if you have the ability to be patient, you are in the minority because the majority are panic are panicking as we speak. And they're doing things that are irrational and they're getting rid of companies that should be valued at much higher levels than what we see today. And so I think that's important. Um, interest rates, as we mentioned, have never been lower. Um, and we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, you can track back. I think it's 200 and 
eighty some two hundred and twenty nine years actually of history of interest rates. Believe that two hundred and twenty nine years of that wow. interest rates being low. Oil, uh, which eventually when you go to get your gasoline, uh, will help transports and airlines and 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 the consumer, uh, the middle classes are the ones that are consuming gas and and oil, and that's a benefit. We've got employment, as you mentioned. Um, Employment is still at very, very low levels, uh, for all, for all folks in the United States. And so it's important to know that there are a lot of good things going on in this nation. We li- still live in the greatest nation in the world. Um, we are dealing with it collectively rather than bipartisan. And I think, uh, it's only going to help us remain that way. And we are going to come out the other end. And, and as much as I am very concerned about what's going on, in the world, I'm very optimistic about uh, where we're going to end up. Very, very sage advice. One more time, Jim, if anybody has a question, uh, how they get a hold of you. Yeah, please give me a call or email me. Phone number 949-720-9980. And my email address is jdavenport at beaconpoint.com. That's J-D-A-V-E-N-P-O-R-T at beaconpoint, B-E-A-C-O-N. P-O-I-N-T-E dot com. Jim, as usual, fantastic information. I, I hope this has put people's minds at ease. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, I again want to share some information with you. Thank you again, Jim, for your great information today. And hopefully it'll be helpful. And it's certainly very, very timely. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me in my office, I'm at 714-505-9000. Email me at artwiederman at gmail.com if you want a copy of our letter that we sent to our clients today about uh, recommendations of um, what to do with the coronavirus. Jim is already going for another glass of wine. It's been a top three weeks, Jim. I know that. Uh, <laughs> My only time off. Your only time off. Um, uh, if you are... Um, uh, not a subscriber to Decisions in Dentistry, go to www.decisionsindentistry.com uh, and uh, become a subscriber. Go to the About page, go to the subscription page, look at their great CE uh, courses that they have. Uh, again, folks, uh, life will come back to normal, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, if you want to look at our podcasts or our CPA firm is HMWC CPAs and Business Advisors, we're at seven one, uh, we're at uh, www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab, go to the podcast links. All the podcasts, including the one that we're recording right now, uh, are there. And if you are looking for a dental specific CPA anywhere in the United States of America, We got you covered, the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. And I do want to give one more shout out to our great sponsor, CEDR HR Solutions. And folks, as dental offices across the country, and it's going to happen, it's happened in Massachusetts, it's happened in California, I heard it's going to happen in New Mexico, uh, one of my clients in Maine, um, they're closing their offices. It's going to happen for us to get rid of this virus. There are going to be employee issues with this new Family Leave Act, and this is a really, really important time, Uh, and there's lots of questions we got today in our office. So if you have any questions, any questions about anything that's happening with this new Family Leave Act, sick pay, and if you have to close your office for two weeks, and how do I pay my employees, CE. DRHR Solutions is the company you want to call. Again, go to info at CEDRSolutions.com. That's 
info at cedrsolutions.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.